We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. I am here today with our first guest interview with my brother, Chris Wilson. How you doing today, Bobby? Good. How you doing, buddy? I am just wonderful. I am great. I am glad to be here and talking about football. That's awesome. Well, a little bit about Chris. Chris is the one who kind of started this idea and this journey. We were at his bat. I kind of talked about it uh, in the very first episode in the intro that I did about how we're at his bachelor party weekend in Myrtle Beach and we're watching football on three different TVs like guys like to do. And I come, I, I say like, hey, I'd love to go to all the SEC venues. I think like that's something that a lot of people would like to do. So then my brother, Chris, jumps in and he's like, hey, go to all of them. And then, of course, at first, you're like, holy smokes, that's a lot. But then it's like, hey, that's a really cool idea. So, Chris, do you remember that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oddly enough, I do vaguely remember this happening. And it's funny, ever since the experience of being down up there for the bachelor party and watching football on so many screens, watching it on one just doesn't seem to do it anymore. Absolutely. But I do vaguely remember having that conversation with you especially after listening to the first podcast it was definitely some memories hitting me yeah that that was a that was a long weekend we'll just say that <laughs> <laughs> well a little bit about chris chris lives in gainesville florida he works at the university of florida in sec country obviously so this this episode will be a lot to do with obviously the florida gators of course but it'll have a lot to do with the SEC, and we're going to talk a lot about the SEC stadium venue. So it's this is going to be something cool. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. So, so Chris, if you wouldn't mind, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I currently work at the University of Florida. I'm an animal care technician, so I don't have anything to do specifically with football. However, I do still love the sport and love everything to do with Gators football. I'm fortunate enough in my situation where I get to drive by that beautiful stadium twice a day. And let me tell you, I have the biggest smile on my face every time. Um, are you ready to go into the Gator season at all, Bobby, or no? Absolutely. Let's let's dive in. Well, so, how, how, do you, all, how do you see things going? Obviously, this is not going to be the Gators offense we saw last year. Kyle Trask was putting up some absolutely phenomenal numbers, and I think he's going to have what it takes to make it at the next level, but only time will tell for that. Obviously, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about well, Emory Jones. I, I, think, I think we can talk about Kyle Trask for a second, though, just for the sheer fact that he is in the perfect situation, first of all. In the NFL. He really is. You could not ask for a better mentor having Tom Brady to sit behind on a team that just won the Super Bowl and was, is returning almost all of its starters. Kyle Trask has every tool for success in the NFL right now, assuming he stays on the right path with that. Absolutely. And... His his stats from last season are are just mind blowing. He absolutely. He, he, if you compare him to Joe Burrow's Heisman season, even they're pretty similar in my opinion. Absolutely, it's not far off. I mean, he threw for forty three touchdowns and four thousand two hundred eighty three yards, which obviously set school records. Right, it's absolutely insane. So. I'm kind of trying to, I guess, keep my expectations in check, but after having the resurgence of Kyle Trask last year, obviously, expectations for Emory Jones have people, or at least Gators fans, with their eyebrows raised and saying, oh, is this guy going to have a similar success story to Trask? He's a completely different quarterback, though. Right, uh, right. Emory Jones is definitely going to have a dual-threat-style quarterback. However, his stat line is pretty impressive for his career. Um, he has a 64% completion percentage. 613 yards, 7 TDs, and in, in only one interception. So that uh, TD to interception ratio is very good. But on top of that, he's got six rushing TDs to go with that as well. So even without starting 
any uh, SEC games, you can definitely still see he has that production there, which has the Gators very excited. Absolutely. I, I, I would imagine so. And I think I, I've seen a lot of different people talking about how he could be a big breakout candidate this year. And maybe, maybe even if the Gators are very successful into the Heisman conversation. I've been seeing that too. And I don't, I don't want to put expectations too high. I think that is soaring way too right, high, but right. assuming if, uh, Emory Jones is able to live up to even some of the expectations that they're starting to have for him, then the Gators should be sitting better offensively than I think a lot of people are going to be thinking, um, especially with the running back core as well. They have uh, running back Demarcus Bowman transferring from Clemson, yes. um, and he was a redshirt freshman, but he has a, he has, he's a former five-star recruit, and uh, he was, I believe he was the number four running back I have him down as when he was recruited. And he doesn't have too much action in college, obviously, because I think he only played two games last year and didn't get very much action. But it's still, the Gators are very excited to see that, especially if we can see even a remote improvement on the offensive line that should be big for the running game. Right. I, I think if you get any transfer from Clemson, that you you get, naturally would just get excited. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Especially somebody young. When you're sitting on an offense that I think it said they were only returning four or five starters, honestly, they're going to be picking at pretty much anything they can to get right. something going. Right, right, exactly. Uh, defensively, though, thankfully, the Gators, I'm predicting they're going to be slightly better on defense. The Gators gave up almost 31 points last year, though, which is actually the worst in the history of Gators since the AP polls came out in 1936. So that defense was not good for the Gators. <laughs> which <laughs> which is shocking because when you think Florida, you obviously, one, you think good quarterback play, of course, but you also think of how great their defense has been in the past. Right, that has been the very identity. Ever since Tebow left, especially, you've been noticing with Florida, like that offense has always been struggling until Trask came, but that defense has been stout, always having first-round talent everywhere, pretty much. Absolutely. They do have uh, Ventrell Miller at linebacker, though, and he's projected currently to be in the uh, either a late first-round, possibly early second-round pick. Um, he had 52 solo tackles last year and three and a half sacks. If the Gators' defense is really going to have a resurgence and have that improvement, they need to see some leadership uh, stepping up right there at that position because with only the few starters they have returning, they definitely need those veterans to be living up to expectations. Right, absolutely. And another guy on the defense that I'm really high on uh, is Kyer Elam, the cornerback. I have him just ranked behind Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU, but I think the the race for the Jim Thorpe Award is going to be between those two guys. I could definitely see that. I, uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, Zachary Carter also on the defensive line. He's going to be a big help there. He had uh, 36 total tackles last year, 14 solo, five sacks, and a fumble recovery. But the five sacks alone is going to be. Uh, that's going to be good to have for putting some pressure on the quarterbacks, especially given the competition they're going to be going at. Absolutely. Have you had a chance to look at Florida's schedule by any chance? I'm sure you've broken down all yeah, the programs yeah. so you've seen it, but they have a pretty favorable schedule they for actually the first do. two weeks, obviously. Yep. And then they hit possibly the worst roadblock you could ever hit. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, Alabama, I just did the Alabama breakdown. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. The running back core at Alabama is just mind-blowing. Just As it always is, like, but yeah, it, this year especially. It, 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 it is just, <laughs> like, it, it's just unbelievable. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I was, when I was reading through it. It, it. it just is mind-blowing. Obviously, the starter is going to be Brian Robinson Jr., who is unbelievably talented and then and then the rest of their running back group they have the they have the number one running back from the class of 2019 who is trey sanders they have two top 10 running backs from the 2020 class jace mcclellan and roydell williams and the number two running back in the 2021 class kamara wheaton so it's just it's possibly the most stacked backfield you could possibly have. And right. if you were to tell me it was any other team but Alabama, I wouldn't even believe you. But since it's Alabama, it's just like, yeah, that sounds it's, about right. It, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost just implied, I guess, just what, what they've right, been able right. to do at that position in particular. But, yeah, let's get back to 
let's just get back to Florida. I just kind of had to go off on that little tangent. Oh, yeah, no worries it's, at it's, all. Um, from a amazing. recruiting standpoint, I was personally a little disappointed with their incoming recruiting class. However, they did manage to land the number two cornerback, Jason Marshall, from mm-hmm. Miami. Yep. That's going to be a huge addition to their backfield. He's ranked at number 29 overall, but they actually only landed three top 100 recruits, which I feel is a little low for the University of Florida. Absolutely. But maybe Especially that, for what the season. Standard or no? Well, especially for the season that they had last year, too. It's just kind of surprising. That... Right. I felt like they would have gotten significantly more talent. Granted, still three out of top 100. If you go out of the SEC and see that, that's going to be a great recruiting class. But even still, absolutely, I found it a little surprising. But even still, I don't think it's enough to have me overly concerned about their future or anything like that. They've proven that they've been doing a decent job recruiting and haven't had too many issues. Except for a quarterback for the couple years. But obviously, they had Kyle Trask last year, which kind of... Help make a lot of people forget about the quarterback woes. <laughs> I think that the only the only issue that I see um, from like a recruiting standpoint for Florida is how they they did they did have some like minor violations, um, <laughs> and they're were they correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were put on like probation or something, but. That's turned into a yearly thing for the Gators, sadly. Every single offseason, we end up hearing some story about a group of Gators getting into something. Um, I haven't heard of a large incident like I had in the past where you'll hear about a dozen players getting suspended or anything like that, but I'm sure there's still stories getting out from this offseason. Right, right. And, it, I mean, it's not just at Florida either, obviously. Oh, yeah, you're going to see that at any college it, program. It did seem, though, that it was pretty prevalent at Florida, though, compared to other schools. When you have over a dozen players, I think there's some issues on the top end at that, right, that right, rate. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think if we could swing back real quick before we dive into the schedule, just to talk about Emory Jones again, about how our, our people – obviously, he's not going to be Tim Tebow. I think we all – I think – I mean, the level that Tim Tebow played at at Florida is just another level that I don't know if anybody can ever reach that. But Emory Jones has that style to him. He does. He definitely has a certain swag about him compared to especially like just his play style from what we saw last year. It's just really hard to get into people's heads like this is a different team. This is going to be a dual threat quarterback. Yes, he can throw, but this guy can run. I don't think I think people for Florida, we need to keep our expectations in check. But at the same time, the schedule is definitely going to favor Emory Jones for at least getting some starting reps against some teams that aren't going to be cakewalks but aren't necessarily going to be you know right sec competition absolutely and let's go ahead and dive into that like you said the first two weeks are very winnable games they host florida atlantic and then they play at at south florida i thought it was really weird that they're at south florida i'm guessing it's probably for recruiting perspectives or something try to get people out of there but i don't know i thought it was interesting that that's going to be an away game granted neither of these teams are cakewalk teams but it should definitely be a be two teams that Florida beats by at least 20, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, and I think just them making that trip to Tampa, I think it just, just like you kind of said, just a way to get a, into another part of the state and kind of be a, just like be visible, basically. Right, right. It's a, uh, I'm glad we agree on those first two because week three. Yes, week is Alabama. Week three is right, Alabama. It, yes. It is in the swamp, so we right. do have that going for us. I still don't see Florida being able to keep up with all those weapons that Bama's going to be throwing at them. So that's definitely probably going to be a loss. But I will say it's probably going to be closer than a lot of people think, given that it's still early in the season and that home field advantage for the Gators is no joke. Absolutely. I, I agree, too. And Alabama has a lot of new players offensively. They got a new quarterback, new running. I mean, like they usually do, but but they're just plugging in a new five-star. But it, it at the same time, you're still going to one of the toughest places to play in America. Right, right. Thankfully, uh, next week they have a bit of a break after that, though, with Tennessee. I say break, but it's still SEC schedule. I don't have high hopes for the Tennessee volunteer program for this next year. Um, What do you think of them, Bobby? I actually have Tennessee going 6-6, if you can believe that. Just because of their schedule. The way that their schedule sets up, in my opinion, it sets up well enough for them to go 6-6. Are they 6-6 talent-wise? Probably not. But the way I look at it, they play Bowling Green. Bowling Green might be one of the worst teams in America. Um, then they play Pittsburgh, Tennessee Tech, 
Then they have a home game against South Carolina, and then home games against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. And those are the six games that I can kind of see them winning. Most definitely. I didn't realize they had that kind of schedule. But, yeah, if they don't go at least 6-6 six and six, and there's some bigger problems, then I think even the players are going to be able to fix at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, they have a new coaching staff, so it's one of those type of things where you got to give them a little bit of time. But yeah. de- definitely the, the, the cupboard's kind of bare in Knoxville. For, for the time being, and, and and I think we all would agree that Tennessee obviously is more than capable of turning that around. I mean, they... Most definitely. I mean, historically speaking, Tennessee's been a very good program for Absolutely. an extended period of time. Granted, the last decade or so has been probably more so on the sad times and good times, but they, were, they can definitely rebound. They have the pipelines for recruiting and everything like that. That and their stadium's absolutely gorgeous, so I mean, that's going to help with recruiting. <laughs> absolutely. It, it is an amazing place. I've I have been there. Not not for a game, but I've been right. to the stadium. It's pretty amazing. Right now we got the Gators at 3-1, and one, but moving on to next week we have at Kentucky. At I think the Gators are going to win this. However, I think Kentucky is going to be a dark horse for being a much better team than people are expecting. Absolutely. I, I think the only reason Florida wins this game is because in the past Kentucky has struggled so, has struggled so much against Florida that – they I th- always end up in just weird games that they just end up losing odd, no matter how good Kentucky's team right. is to Florida or I, against Florida. I feel like they had the one game a couple of years ago. I think it was, I want to say it was Felipe Franks, but I remember it's just, I feel like every time they end up playing them in a close game, they end up losing somehow. Yeah. In some freak fashion. I agree that right. it just is, I, I almost feel like it might be more mental than anything else. Yeah, like almost an intimidation factor or something. I'm not sure what that is. I expect good things out of Kentucky, but I don't see them pulling out of this, even with it being at home. Absolutely, I have Kentucky going nine and three. Um, so really, I, I I think Kentucky's really really good. But I could. I mean, we're gonna have to see how that passing game works out for them. But I right. don't think that's unrealistic. Right. Especially I, given their talent pool. But, However. Next week after that, though, we're sitting at <laughs> Vanderbilt, and this is Florida's yes. homecoming game. I'm going to say right now Florida's going to win this by at least 30. Oh, at least, yes. Yeah, at <laughs> I mean, least. The sad part for – football games last year, I don't know if I can ever put myself through that again. <laughs> the sad no part for Vanderbilt. No Vanderbilt fans out there. I'm sorry. That was not easy to watch. Yeah, the sad part for Vanderbilt is it's just like – it's just – so hard for them. I, I mean, we all know the just the standards that that school has compared to everyone else in the SEC. Oh, academically speaking, nearly top of the country, and then they're sitting in the SEC, the pr- most prestigious football conference, arguably, in all of football. Absolutely. But uh, I've, we could probably brush past that one, because there's not too much to talk about with right. Vanderbilt. They're right, right. still Vanderbilt, sadly. Yes. At LSU, I see as a potential trap game, and this is probably the biggest question mark I currently have on Florida's schedule, mainly due to I'm curious as to if we're going to see the LSU from last year or that or like a new LSU that's better. Granted, the LSU team from last year still beat Florida, even though they maybe not should. Even though they probably shouldn't have, they still did. Right, right, and... And I think to go to Baton Rouge to Death Valley, I think is just going to be. I mean, it's. Let's. let's I'm going to say. Let's call I it what it, I think. Right now, I do too. Unless I'm shown differently. I I think so too. I think they lose at LSU, and I think they lose the next week to Georgia because I think Georgia. Sadly, I have that penciled as a loss as well. Georgia, mm-hmm. there's just so much talent. I would love to be proven wrong here. Don't get me wrong; that's a huge rivalry. I've been loving the past two years watching Florida get the victories against them, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull it off this year. And my expectations are that they're probably not going to. I agree. I agree Next, with they that. have South Carolina, though. South Carolina is a pretty big question mark, in my opinion, but in terms of their overall talent. But I don't think it's going to be anything that Florida can't overcome. I'm not predicting them to be overly good. Right. I see them as a five to seven win team, in my opinion. I agree. I, I think South Carolina has a lot of swag with hiring Beamer as their new coach. I think that's that's helped them a lot, but there's still not much talent. That's that's the issue. They have some really good top end players but their depth is just not SEC-worthy. And they're still only the second coolest mascot in South Carolina, so... This is true. This is true. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, Samford, that's a free win, basically. I don't want to say free win, but, I mean, come on. (laughs) Right, right. Missouri, I have as a win as well. 
Um, I, I do I'm too. not too familiar with what we're what is expected of Missouri this next year. Are you aware of how they're expected to be or no? Missouri has a really a t- very talented re- uh, quarterback returning um, in uh, Connor Bazelak, who who had a re- who had a really good season last year. Um, threw for almost 2,400 yards. So I, I, I think that's pretty good. Dang. I, I didn't realize that they had that production as, there as a freshman too. But uh, I, I I agree with you that F- Florida. I mean, Florida is better than Missouri. Like, let's just call it what it is. And they, right, they, right. They, from they a talent perspective, I they don't think they'll be that. able to match up against them. But that yeah. kind of production from a freshman quarterback is really good, especially against SEC talent. Right, and they played an All SEC season last year too. So right. Uh, next for next is against Florida State. This is in the swamp. I have this as a for sure win, right. even though it's probably not for sure. But I will. I refuse to pick Florida State. I'm sorry, <laughs> I could never pick them. <laughs> I, I understand. Yes, and I agree with you. I mean, I coming into it, I had Florida at nine and three, losing the three games that we just talked about: Alabama at LSU and Georgia. And right. LSU still a question mark, but nine and three it stinks because over and under for their wins is actually at nine wins. So it's like I don't feel comfortable saying they get more yeah, than that, and I, I don't feel comfortable right. saying they get less than that. I think they're going to go nine and three, um, excluding obviously any conference championships or anything like that. But right, that's where right. I see them at. Right. We'll see, though. Offensively, I think that they could possibly surprise us. It's going to all come down to Emory Jones and that mm-hmm. play of the offensive line. If they're able to get a running game established and get Emory Jones going, then I would say that they could possibly push that 10, maybe 11 win mark, but that's way pushing it. But I think 9-3 and three is probably more likely. Right, I agree. I, I, think, I think the only game that you look at on their schedule and say that's a loss I don't want to say for sure is Alabama. Right, most definitely. But it's funny too, uh, doing research, every single video I was watching, everyone's like, I love the Gators, but man, they're not beating Bama this year. <laughs> that the talent differential is just too huge, even being early in the season, even being at home. I don't know who can beat Alabama this year, so <laughs> I agree. I mean I have them winning the national championship and I personally don't think anybody can compete with them I, and almost definitely yeah i don't in, see it. i don't see anyone competing including clemson i mean clemson's gonna be good and, and i think that clemson georgia game to open this season i think is gonna tell us a lot obviously about both teams but i think it's like gonna tell us like who is bama's next like who's the contender basically right right yeah, Bama's always got at least a couple players there that are going to uh, hop up, but I'm really curious to see who's going to be the next superstar emerging out of there, who's going to be the next couple superstars we see coming out. Right, right. Now, one Are you ready to get into one, some stadium talk, Bobby, well, or is this one, too soon? One question I want to ask you first, though, is about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. What is... First off, your your opinion, but then what? how is it in SEC country where you're at? What are people saying? So from, I don't have, obviously, I can't speak for the people. Um, from what I've heard from talking to people, though, everyone, I mean, I personally want it. Everyone else wants it. Oklahoma and Texas bring such huge fan bases and such great culture to the SEC that it feels like they would fit right in and almost as a no-brainer, right? Right. And those two schools epitomize SEC football, in my opinion. When you think of college football, you always think of Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, obviously Clemson, too, and stuff like that. Right, but right. But getting – I think it would be nice to see them lined up in the SEC. The, the, the but Big 12 fan, fans might think differently. Right. <laughs> the, the only question I have is, can right now, can Texas compete in the SEC? I, I mean, I obviously we know Oklahoma is going to come in there and they're going to be able to do things. I mean, I think we Oklahoma's all – Oklahoma is going to be competing at the top. Absolutely. I think that Texas is probably going to be struggling for the first uh, couple years, kind of how like you would see a South Carolina or Missouri do. So I would expect them to probably be pretty like middle of the pack to at least start out until they're able to bump up their recruiting a little better. Um, that's just my opinion. Which is, I would love to which see is a return just, to form it, for Texas. It's, it's crazy to say that recruiting for Texas, but I mean, it, it, I know, right? It, the it recruiting a, central of America yes. for football with, well, you have Florida and then Texas. Right, Those are the right. two states I think of at least. Right. 
All right. Ready to get into some stadium talk? Absolutely, Bobby? absolutely. Let's. I mean, that's the whole basis for this podcast. So let's 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 talk. I would I would love to hear my personal opinion of each stadium. Yes, I would Um, love to hear your rank. Initially, I went through each stadium by capacity, so I started out with the lower end ones, and then ended with the absolutely massive ones. It'll surprise absolutely no one to find out, though, that Vanderbilt is at the bottom of my list for the worst stadium in the SEC. Granted, I gave each of these stadiums a rating out of five stars. Vanderbilt is still only a two-star stadium, so it avoided that one star. Have you seen Vanderbilt Stadium, Bobby? I have not. I mean, obviously, I've seen pictures of it. Um, I, I'm actually thinking about potentially going there this year. Um, I mean, if you're going to attend all the stadiums, you definitely got to hit Vanderbilt. I can't speak for the fan base because from everything I saw online, they have a very impassioned fan base, which you got to be. We're Lions fans. We absolutely. understand how that we, is we to understand. be a fan of a program that's not good. <laughs> right. I respect that, and I love that. However... They have this almost like a horseshoe uh, shape going on with their stadium, which I love that. I can get behind that. But the view they have looking onto it is onto these ugly buildings that are just horrible. And then there's a press box that has this mustard yellow, which is, I don't know, to me it's too different from their standard gold in their uniforms that it really is not doing it for me. Um, The tunnels, which is actually something I decided to focus on um, in my research, are actually... I consider it to be suitable for Vanderbilt. Um, and it was also the first stadium in the South to be used exclusively for college football. So I made sure to include a fun fact for each stadium. They gradually get better and better, though, as <laughs> I went with my research. <laughs> I feel like you're going to come to, like, LSU and, like, drop a bombshell or something. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody died on the 30 yards line. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing like that. Sadly, it's not going to be that kind of podcast or that exciting, but I do have some juicy info coming. If you do get the chance, Bobby, I would definitely encourage you to at least Google it to see this view I was talking about. For a school that has so many smart people going to it, you'd think they could have engineered something a little more creative, in my opinion. <laughs> sorry, that's probably a little low. Vandy fans, I'm very sorry. I love your passion for your football team. Moving on to the, like, to the school that I like, have second like he, to last. Like he said, we are Detroit Lions fans, so we completely understand. Right, right. I hope I'm not ripping into any of these fan bases too much. Like he said, we're Lions fans. Feel free to rip into us just as much. Next stadium I have is Kentucky, though. And this is already a huge jump up in terms of SEC stadiums. I already get the vibe seeing this stadium. It's big, full. It's almost to the level where it feels imposing but it's not quite there. You get that when you go up to some higher-tier SEC stadiums, in my opinion. Right, right. Um, The tunnels in this stadium for for the players to come out of has lots of room for fan engagement, which is something I was a huge fan of in seeing that. Um, it is also, let's see, it was built in 1973, making it currently the newest stadium in the SEC. That's uh, not counting for renovations and stuff, obviously. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Right, yeah. Of all those stadiums, Kentucky has the newest one, technically. Granted, you still have all those expansions and right. renovations that make right. the other ones look newer, but even still. Right. Um, apparently, there were some renovations in 2015 that actually reduced the overall capacity, but helped improve the fan experience from what I've seen. Let's see. And it is the it is one of the few college football stadiums named after a corporate sponsor because it is called Kroger Field. I, I, did, I, I knew that, actually. <laughs> Yeah, you thought that was. I thought it was interesting because you'll see that at the NFL uh, level with like Heinz Stadium and stuff like that. Right, but on right. college level, you don't really see too many corporate sponsors. It's usually um, named after some booster that donated five million dollars or something. <laughs> right. Crazy. So at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself: Is that really much better than a corporation? Maybe. Right. Probably not. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next football stadium, I have, and we're reaching the point where it's like. Just because a stadium is put on this list at that point doesn't mean I think it's a bad stadium. This is the SEC. Nearly every single one of these stadiums is imposing and beautiful. I have the University of Missouri, though, for their stadium, which might surprise you because they are actually known for having a nice stadium. Right. They do feature a giant M that is actually made out of stones from the original, um, when they were originally building it. And they are bleached white by the incoming freshman class of the football players. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's a fun fact I had on them. I didn't have too much information regarding the actual stadium. For some reason, I was having a hard time 
finding like a lot of information about it as opposed to some of the other stadiums where it was like this plethora of information from but from what i can see personally looking at it the fan engagement looks incredible the only reason i have it ranked three out of five stars is just because when you look outside of the zones that are away from that m i personally felt it was slightly underwhelming but still an impressive stadium overall do you have any thoughts on that bobby or no i have I have been to the University of Missouri. I've been really? I, I've just uh, from coaching basketball at the college level. I've 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 engaged around there, and uh, I've seen the stadium. I mean, it's a nice it's a nice look. I agree with you. I mean, it's a nice stadium. And from SEC, I mean, from the rest of college football, it'd be a very very good stadium. It's just when you're talking SEC, it's going to be near the bottom. Right, exactly. It almost makes it unfair to be comparing some of these stadiums, and you feel kind of bad putting them down on the list because it's like it's not like I dislike your stadium. Oh, absolutely. I love your colors. I love the fan engagement that you have going on. It's just not quite up to par with some of these other schools. Absolutely, I agree with that. Like, like you said, I mean, basically every stadium in the SEC is top notch. Right. Besides, besides maybe mention uh, the star rating I have, I consider like a three out of five star to be considered like what you consider to be a college football stadium, like your average stadium. When you think of a college football stadium, this is what you think of. Right. And so that's kind of how I envision Missouri. When I think of a college football stadium, it looks like the University of Missouri's. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Next on our list, though, are you good with moving on, Bobby? Absolutely. Next, I have. The University of Ole Miss. Now, this one I was really conflicted on. I gave it three out of five stars, but every single time I looked at the top-down view of this stadium, I felt nothing. I don't know why. It just it looks like a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Ole Misses from looking down at it or no? I have not. So it's not bad by any means. It's a great stadium. They have a very passionate fan base. Oh, absolutely. It just, it, there's nothing special about it, in my opinion. Granted, you might get a couple, like couple Ole Miss fans that being like, there's a statue of this over here. There's something over here. There, There's always going to be something. But personally right. for me, until I'm able to visit it, it stands towards what I consider to be just a serviceable stadium. It does, however, have a section called The Grove that is a 10-acre park famous for tailgating on campus. Right. It's filled with old oak trees around campus. And two hours before kickoff, there's, uh, there's something called the walk through the grove that happens where the players walk through this and are engaging with fans to the stadium. So I thought that was really cool to have that kind of engagement with your fan base. I can only imagine tailgating just to see this line of players come coming to the stadium and how pumped you would be with that. Right. I and and I've seen many different uh, platforms say that Ole Miss has the best tailgating. That this. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. That was definitely something that was very. Uh, evident in all the research i did ole miss is one of the places to go to for tailgating in the sec absolutely that's what i've seen too so i i couldn't for, agree more in terms of tunnels though for players i will give ole miss some credit they have some of the coolest designed tunnels inside the tunnels there's actually a window which appeared to be like to a restaurant or some sort of sitting area for fans and it looked like they were actually able to view the players running out through this window, which I hadn't seen at any other stadium. But I was like, I want to go there and see that because that looks incredible. Yeah, at the college level, that's pretty amazing because I mean, right, you yeah, see that you see that in the NFL. Stadiums but, do that, but. Right, right. <laughs> oh, also, for my fun fact for Ole Miss Stadium, nearly every road on campus has an 18 mile per hour speed limit, and that is in honor of Archie Manning's number. I actually granted that's not about the stadium. That is some interesting fact. I actually knew that just because I randomly knew that. <laughs> really? Yes. I just remember. I he, was like really surprised I, when I, I remember saw that. hearing Maybe somebody who likes to drive that. a little faster. I'm like, oh, 18 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next stadium, though, we have the University of Arkansas, and this is really the point where we hit, in my opinion, the SEC stadiums. I don't know if you've seen the University of Arkansas's. But I was actually pretty blown away by it looking at it. They have an absolutely beautiful end zone, in my opinion, with a really nice uh, like scoreboard that's placed above the like, at the very top of it. Mm-hmm. And um, give me one sec. Uh, their mascot is currently Tusk the Fourth, and he is a live mascot. And he was originally from the 1960s, so that's a little factoid about the 
mascot that they have for their stadium. But they just have a live Razorback. In terms of specific information regarding the stadium, but if you look up pictures of it, I was just blown away by the size of it. Because when you think of Arkansas, I kind of think middle of the pack SEC team, at least as of the past ten years or so. But their football stadium is no joke. Right, it almost makes you think if uh, that uh, Mr. Walton is uh, given. I know their that their basketball arena is named after the Walton family in Walmart, but it almost makes you wonder if they're uh, if they're getting some football, giving football some money too. They gotta at this point because this stadium's gorgeous. Any Arkansas fans out there, your stadium gets my seal of approval, and it's actually the first stadium on my list that I have given a four out of five stars because of how impressed I was with it. Nice. Moving up, though, this is where we're really starting to ramp up in terms of style, size. You can notice they're getting more creative with the architecture, too. You know how I said Ole Misses, when I looked at it, I felt kind of bored or underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. These these stadiums start to ramp up. Uh, South Carolina is the next one I have on my list. It's a solid four out of five stars, built in 1934. And I would say that this is the first stadium where its size gets to be a little on the jaw-dropping sides as opposed to the um, other stadiums, at least stylistically, too. It almost reminds me of an NFL stadium with how it's set up. I have to say their press box, too, is probably one of the nicer ones I've seen in sports, and I've ragged on a couple stadiums that have some less-than-stellar press boxes, so I need to make sure I compliment the ones that are good. Yeah. Um, the east upper deck of the stadium is actually known to sway during games, though. So wow. I thought that was an interesting factoid. Apparently, when you have fans up there, you'll notice that or you'll feel like the stadium or that area is like shaking or moving with the stadium. So I thought that was an interesting factoid. I would definitely probably crap my pants if that happened. So, part of the language, so, but. so, you're, <laughs> so you're saying when I go to South Carolina, don't sit in that area. Do not sit in the east upper deck unless <laughs> you are ready for that kind of action. I am not. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not either. <laughs> uh, they have they have serviceable tunnels. Uh, the only tunnels I will say in the SEC that I was just like, no way, that's amazing, was the Ole Miss one. So sadly, the rest of these are going to be like, yeah, they're good tunnels. Um, that's all the information I had on that one, though. Moving on to the next one we have on this list, though, is the University of Auburn. And I know that's going to be a personal favorite of Bobby's, right? Well... <laughs> I, I I am a fan of their entrance that they have with War Eagle. I've it, You see it on TV, and it just looks amazing. I can't wait to witness that in person. So this stadium, uh, looking at it, the first thing I thought of looking at it was, this is what I think of when I think of culture in the SEC, these absolutely boom human uh, huge stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's named The stadium's actually named after Auburn's winningest football coach, Ralph Jordan. Mm-hmm. And the, fra- the phrase War Eagle actually derives from a game in 1892 where a Civil War vet brought an eagle to the game. And apparently this eagle started circling the stadium as Auburn was driving down the field. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you had heard of that. No, I did that's not. apparently where that, the phrase War Eagle comes from. That is so awesome. That That's just, right. that's just like, really cool. I was cool. pretty blown away by that and just how creative some of the uh, the origin stories for these mascots and things like that are. I had a lot of fun researching this stuff. That's really um, cool. The next one I have on this list is probably the first one where people are going to be like, why is that this low on this list? And I'm sorry, Bobby, I'm going to have to do it. This is the University of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> this was the one that I knew was probably going to be like, like, why do you have this this low? I have it here. It is actually the highest capacity stadium in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I am not going to say that size is a be-all, end-all for stadiums. Um, however, those press boxes that the University of Tennessee has rival Vanderbilt's for being equally as ugly. So I will say that. But... Their stadium is absolutely booming in terms of size. Um, it almost reminds me of like a gladiator arena, I guess you could say. Right, right. Um, looking at all the pictures, obviously you have the stylistic orange and white that you have circling the stadium. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Overall, the only thing I'm really knocking the stadium for are those giant eyesore press boxes they have lining the sides, which may seem like a petty thing to do, but the next time you look at this stadium, you're going to look at it and be like, yeah, he was kind of right. Those are an eyesore. <laughs> I, I don't, what do you I think don't, of the I University of Tennessee's football stadium? I don't know if this is a fact or not, so I'm just kind of throwing this out there. But I, I heard at one point that, and again, I don't know if this is true anymore, but at one point, the University of Tennessee's football stadium was the biggest, like, above-ground stadium. 
I wouldn't doubt that. Because, so because I was like, trying to like Michigan that information on all the research I was doing, but I kept seeing such different numbers saying, oh, it's the seventh biggest stadium here, eighth biggest here, or whatever, just as an example. Right. And so I didn't feel comfortable citing that because I didn't want to put something down and for someone to be like, it says third biggest here and fifth biggest here. Right, right. But yeah, it was uh, definitely in top tens for pretty much everywhere for most kinds of stadiums because of its absolute size. It's just, right. it's mind-blowing. That's the only way to describe it. Right, and I mean, I've driven past it, and it is... I mean, it's the. It, you just say wow. That's all you can do because it's so yeah. big. I do have a couple fun facts about this though. Student tickets are actually only ten dollars per home game, which is something I was able to look up on their website. I'm not sure if that's every single home game, but from the way it was sounding on their website, it was. So I thought that was a really cool thing for them to include. UF they try to do discounted uh, games for employees. I know students have like a set rate too, but I can tell you that if you try to go to a home game for like a rivalry game for the Gators, that's not going to be $10, even if you're a student. Right. <laughs> also, uh, fun fact, the Bulls have never lost more than four in a row in Neyland Stadium. So Interesting. They, yeah, given their lack of success over the past uh, decade or so, they've still never lost more than four in a row. And given how old their program is, that's just impressive to that, think that, of. Given that the is stadium impressive. was built in 1921. Right, that is impressive. The next one I have on this list, though, is a personal favorite of mine after doing the research. I was blown away by this stadium. I wanted to give it five stars, but just couldn't because even though size isn't an end-all, be-all, I do consider it to be a factor. I have Mississippi State Stadium. I gave it four out of five stars. This stadium absolutely blew me away. And I did send you a picture, though, of yes. the renovations the that re they had did that really stepped this university up from being just the middle-of-the-line SEC stadium. To being in my turn or what i believe to be the best four-star stadium in the sec this stadium is absolutely massive the fan base is passionate it's actually the fourth oldest stadium in all of college football too so you have that going for it <laughs> <laughs> uh the junction is referred to as a tailgate des uh, destination on campus the dog walk is similar to what they do at ole miss where the coaches will walk uh, with the players uh, to the stadium through a certain section of tailgaters, and that's just referred to as the dog walk. Um, the culture, from what I've heard at Mississippi State, is absolutely huge. And give, even given that there are other stadiums in the SEC that are bigger than this, I guarantee that it can rival them in terms of sound, from what I've heard. Right, and I think everybody knows about the cowbells at Mississippi yes, State. Yes, the cowbells. So they they, uh, that gets a they definitely had to get around some rules with those. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I wasn't able to write down the full story behind the cowbells, but I think it was the late 80s where they had to think of a workaround for the cowbells because they didn't want them bringing them to the stadiums anymore. But thankfully, they were able to keep that in as tradition at that stadium because, I mean, when you think of that program, that's one of the things you think of. Absolutely. Um, even with that being one of my favorites, though, let's move on to the next one which is probably going to be surprising to you that it's this low on my list. Uh, I have the University of Florida Stadium. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. After looking at some of these other ones, I had to concede. Be like, I may drive past this beauty twice a day, but I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, coming from somebody who drives past this stadium twice a day, it is absolutely phenomenal. Its size is mind-blowing. Obviously, in Florida, we have the palm trees everywhere, so you got that aesthetic going for it. It's nice in where it sits on campus, too. For me, it sits in an area that it gives you almost like room to go explore after a game if you're in the mood for that, or you're close enough to go downtown to go bar hopping. Granted, you're going to see that at most stadiums, but this is just my personal experience mm -hmm. from being somebody who has attended games here, who knows the culture here. This uh, Obviously, it's nicknamed the Swamp. Um, you're going to see outside of the stadium, though, they got statues for your Tim Tebow, Steve Spurrier. They got a nice uh, big gator statue that they have on one of the entrances to it. Uh, words can't describe the feeling I have walking into this stadium. A lot of the times, I'm not sure how it is with COVID uh, going on and still being an issue, especially in the Florida area. But uh, you used to be able to just walk into the stadium. Um, you'll right. see people running the bleachers for exercise just for fun. And they actually had it one year where they opened up the field for an away game at LSU and they just turn the monitors onto the game and let the fans just have a good time, sit and watch the game. And uh, from a culture perspective, it just doesn't get much better than that. 
Right. I, I remember going there with you and just like being able to just walk around and just be in a stadium that size and it was just it was just really really cool especially uh, just with the history even though in the empty stadium though you just kind of sit there and look around like oh my gosh man this is incredible right you have the the characteristic gator orange and that beautiful blue that they have and oh my gosh this stadium is just a i have a soft spot for it but granted i spent enough time talking about the gators um (laughs) I do have the fun fact I have towards this is probably a little less fun than some of the other ones. The Gators built a 30 game home win streak from 1994 to 1999. I didn't realize that they had established that kind of win streak at home during the 90s, so I thought that was really interesting. Thanks to Steve Spurrier. <laughs> yeah, granted, yeah. They definitely uh, need to be thanking him for that. Next on this stadium, though, this is where I had to put my pride behind me. Uh, Texas A&M, I have their stadium after the beatdown they put on the Gators last year. Kyle Field, though, which is actually one of the Kyle Trask was apparently named after him. If you remember the (laughs) announcers from the game they had last year, where they brought that up like 30 times. Right. But to me, when I looked at Texas A&M stadium, this thing feels like a fortress almost. It feels more so like I'm in a castle than anything else. With the renovations Um, they did, it it just is like so overwhelming. Yeah. This is to me, this we're starting to reach beyond what you would consider to be a football stadium almost like there needs to be almost a different word for it to what we're seeing. They have the press box beautifully implemented into the top lining by the lights. It looks like, and the tunnels are phenomenally placed for plenty of fan engagement. Granted, they still don't have that cool window that Ole Miss will have, but even still, I've heard that it gets insanely deafening here. Attending Kyle field would definitely be something I would have on my bucket list. The term 12th man is for the fan base on the field, obviously, because of how loud they get. Right, right. The next stadium I have on my list is the University of Georgia. I forgot to mention, too, uh, Florida and Texas A&M are both five-star stadiums. Uh, Those were the two first five-star ones. Georgia is also a five-star one, though, for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. If you've ever seen this one, this one's equally as booming, but in my opinion has a more stylistic approach where the stadium almost resembles a football. Have you seen it? Right, yes, yes. It's absolutely beautiful, and that's coming from a Gators fan, so you know it's real. (laughs) (laughs) But they have uh, one of the entrances they have towards the stadium. I'm not sure if this is for buses or what it is, but it looks like there's a giant G overflowing into some parking lot, but it's just really, really beautiful. I would love to attend a game here and to be able to absorb the culture they have going on at the University of Georgia, even though I might get beat up for wearing Gator colors there. (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, The fun fact I have for the University of Georgia, though, is there are more than 36 Bulldog statues around campus, and each one of them is unique. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Average attendance for games here has ranked among the top 10 for more than two decades as well, which I was blown away by. Granted, you're probably going to expect that in the SEC, but that just goes to show you dominance for more than two decades in the top 10. Right. The next stadium I have on my list, we're in the top two at this point. I think you know which one's coming because you know you already know which one my number one will probably be. But we have LSU Stadium, Tiger Stadium. Yep. This stadium is oh my gosh, absolutely gorgeous. It's almost I want to say it's almost resembling that football shape, but almost more. The back end of it rises up to almost resemble a boat. I would say as opposed to a football. But I would say their screen placement. This is the first time I would say that I've noticed it in a stadium to where I'm like the screen placement. I feel like wherever you're sitting in the stadium, if you have a bad seat, at least you're going to see the score there. Um, give me one second. In 1988, LSU hosted Tulane for what's referred to as the earthquake game. Fans' reactions oh, yes. to the 7-6 yes. win registered as a legitimate earthquake to an active seismograph on campus. So if you're curious as to how loud it gets here. This is where we're breaching into real SEC. Like a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, SEC culture where the fan base is actually creating an earthquake on a seismograph from the noise being generated. I like doesn't even seem real, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> and and I think I think everybody when you think LSU, everybody just thinks about a night game at Death Valley and it just like, Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that, and I want to go there for tailgating because I have heard that Cajun food is definitely the go-to. Oh, it is the best. For their tailgating. It is the best. <laughs> so I can only imagine from a cultural perspective that tailgating at Death Valley would be a very interesting, amazing experience. Absolutely. We've been keeping you all waiting, though. It's no question. The number one stadium in the SEC, 
number one stadium in our hearts is the University of Alabama. <laughs> this one, it's no question to me. You pull up pictures of it. I was seeing people argue saying that there were other stadiums that compared to it, but I haven't even really seen NFL stadiums that wow me as much as Alabama's does. Um, I kind of want to hear what you have to say on this, Bobby, because you're probably pretty familiar with their stadium, right? Well, I, I've been an Alabama fan for a while. I think that you obviously know that. Um, but Right. But uh, just obviously I've never been there, but the pictures and the videos that you see of just walking up to the stadium and just how massive it is, it just looks so amazing to me. Yeah, encompassing is definitely something I would say about it. Uh, the visitor's locker room is actually named the Fail Room after Joan, after donor James M. Fail. <laughs> he did this intentionally because he was actually waiting for a chance to donate to have something named after him, from uh, my understanding. And he was like, well, now's my time to shine. And so the the locker, the visitor's locker room is named after him. That is Because awesome. of his last name. That, like, it's so perfect, too, just because of who it is, like. I, right, exactly. I think, I think everybody University knows. Of Alabama, it kind of sets the tone, though, for what you're going into when right. you play at this stadium. It's, it's, it's kinda, almost hopeless. Right. It's kind of like when you play at, say, like the University of Utah or University of Colorado or one of those schools in the mountains where they put the elevation outside the locker room. And you're just like, oh, this is great. But it's the same. I feel like it's that same type of feeling that you would get mentally as you walk out of that and it just says the fail room and you're just like, oh well okay <laughs> right right from a mental standpoint alabama definitely gets on that war of attrition real early with that right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah that's what i had for my list bobby um i'm not sure what your favorite stadium is in the sec but i have a feeling mine probably matches up with yours there's no question i wanted to put the gators higher but i just couldn't it's all these stadiums are so good it's right. like that's what i want everyone to understand listening to this just because a stadium may be at the bottom of this list doesn't mean it's not beautiful and have such amazing stories and culture behind it absolutely despite the rivalries i have respect for each and every one of these fan bases and teams in the sec 100 percent. and i mean i i think this is if you ranked this football stadiums throughout the nation i think honestly if we're if we're being honest like 13 out of the 14 sec schools would probably be in the top 25. I would agree with that, or, yeah. Or I mean, maybe that might be a little generous, at least top 40. Right, yeah. I mean, obviously, Vanderbilt's the only one that you look at and you're like, that's an SEC one? But I mean, most right. people who are familiar with the SEC understand that Vanderbilt is like, that's yeah, Vanderbilt. Right, But even right. still, like moving up to Kentucky, if you look at capacity, moving from Vanderbilt to Kentucky... Vanderbilt's sitting at 40,350. Mm-hmm. You're already jumping up to 61,000 for Kentucky's Kroger Field. Right. And that's jumping from last to second to last. Right. That kind of jump really puts into perspective what you're seeing in the SEC, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's all I had for you, though, on this list, Bobby. Do you have anything else you wanted to hit at? No, I, I think I think this is this has been a really cool insight, I think, for people for people and fans to see and i hope everybody enjoyed it and uh i'm just gonna say thank you chris for being the first guest on the tnt college football podcast yeah it was great to be here and i'd love to be back at some point absolutely well let me let me just throw my little plug in guys feel free to reach out to me personally my twitter account is at coach b will if you have any questions want to talk college football college sports in general you want to reach out, be a part, be on the podcast, have any questions about the podcast, want to give insight on something, you can reach out to our Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Again, thank you, Chris, for joining, and everybody have a good night. God bless.